Soon Over Easy listeners. I am Patricia Capone with EM Over Easy, and I am joined today by three amazing guests. Molly, welcome. Hello, everybody. And we have Blake Briggs. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me again. And Rodney. Thank you. Glad to be back. All right. So today we're going to talk about a topic that I think all of us at one point have experienced and maybe as med students we didn't really want to talk about. And it's the idea of being afraid to fail. And does that hold us back? How does that influence how we interact with others? And really what I want to know from you is what advice do we have for med students? So let's talk about that. So I feel like I'm going to take John Casey's traditional role in this conversation because I'm going to start with a rant. Okay. So bear with me. Love that. Exactly. Right. I hate the word failure. Right? Preach. Okay. So granted, English is an imperfect language. Every single language is imperfect. There's only so many words that we have to describe certain situations. Yes, blah, 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 blah. But if you look at the feelings behind the word failure, it implies this end of the road, bottom of the barrel, there is no recovery, everything is broken kind of state. And I just personally don't believe that that exists. Sure, there's many, many times when you do not perform according to your own expectations for yourself or somebody else's expectations of you and you have fallen short of the mark. Yes. But call me, you know, Debbie Sunshine or whatever, but I believe that there is always something that you can be learning and taking away from even that situation. So learn something about yourself, learn something about somebody else, learn something about a system, figure out a different way to behave or change how you do something the next time around. But as long as you can be walking away from a situation having learned something, then that's not really failure. And I think that probably to wrap up this rant is that that has changed my perspective towards that fear of failure is by realizing that there really isn't such a thing as failure. There's only opportunities for learning. It's hard to follow that one. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. <laughs> well, we can end the podcast. I think that was a good talk. Clearly a personal pet peeve in soapbox. <laughs> right. So interesting. I pulled up my phone as Molly was talking, cause I have two quotes on my phone that I think go really well with this success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Uh, and the other one I have on here is we do not rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. So I use those daily in medical education, but also in my daily life, not only my professional life. I know imposter syndrome is always there, right? I mean, I feel like we as doctors fall into that so much. We're so afraid that someone's going to see us as a failure. We practice medicine. We don't know medicine. We practice. And so creating that environment of like, that's what you're looking for as a med student. You're looking for that environment where you can grow and learn and continue to like realize that failure is, it's not failure. It's an opportunity to take that and be better the next time. And so that's kind of how I look at it. I, I preach Molly. That's how I feel about it. I think we all struggle. Someone that's been, I mean, if John Case was here, he'd tell, he would still tell you he struggles with imposter syndrome. It's there. And like, you have Absolutely. to fight it all the time for sure. And it's tough. Yeah, I think we were talking about this the other night at dinner, but the unfortunate thing is that medical education is structured around a, an avoidance of failure rather than succeeding in something, meaning that if you're avoiding failure, you're really just getting by and that's fine as a resident. And it's less so a thing for emergency medicine, actually, thankfully, than other fields. And the reason we're talking about this is because we were talking about how other specialties 
teach, and it really is comes down to, well, the attending's at home, you're the one on call managing something, or maybe in the ER, for example, you're in a critical scenario and the attending's not there, and you're going to err on the side of, I just don't want to fail. And so you're less likely to take the initiative on things, and you're less likely to critically think in that scenario. And that leads to, obviously, downstream effect, not just in yourself, avoiding failure, but one, a lack of testing yourself and your abilities, and two, naturally to the patient, more tests being ordered, more things being done that could actually harm the patient in the long run. So it, it actually is interesting because it comes up every day in the hospital, too. It's the way medical education, unfortunately, is structured. I would say one kind of additional thought is specifically to the students out there because us sitting here and saying, oh, yes, and all of our attending expertise, you should feel totally confident in making mistakes. Okay, no, we didn't start out that way, right? And so I will frequently look at my medical students and tell them, I'm like, look, if you know everything already, then I am out of a job. My entire purpose of being here for you is to teach you something. So by you not knowing something, that actually allows me to be able to do what I love best. So rather than looking at it as, oh, I don't know something, I've failed. Instead, look at it as, hey, you're doing me a favor. <laughs> I'd say for me, the stakes, it seems, because you said every attending, whether they admit it or not, struggles with some type of imposter syndrome, which I, I which I believe in. No, I do too. Oh, oh you know. And, um, <laughs> and uh, for me, I think the stakes have actually gotten worse because I think, for to your point of the, you know, oh, well, you're an attending and it's okay, you can, you're afforded more chances. Actually, I, don't, I disagree with that personally because, excuse me, I agree with your point. I disagree with the fact that attendings <laughs> will <laughs> just call Molly out on this podcast. <laughs> I disagree with. Tell um, me how you really feel. Yeah, disagree with that statement that that belief that attendings are afforded more grace because me personally, I think that every year farther. That I'm out from residency, which is over four years now. And I think, geez, like I, I feel like now if I make a mistake, it's unacceptable. You know, it's like missing a free throw shot. You've been in the NBA now for several years or missing a layup. That's like a, a chip shot, a bunny. Exactly. Yeah. And now you're supervising people and you're kind of the last line of things, which is unacceptable and completely unrealistic, but, it, and it's not holding true for anyone. But, but me personally, I know that failure that you always think, oh, well, we'll get better. You know, I'm out, I'll get more experience and I'll feel really confident. That's not true. And, and developing those, those skill sets to be comfortable with failure and be comfortable with learning from mistakes moving on, which I'm sure Patricia is going to bring up in a second, is, is this, I'm segging you into the next segment here, providing context, <laughs> is that critical step you want to develop really early on. Because you don't want to be halfway through your junior faculty years thinking, geez, I never really developed this and I'm just a mess trying to be at work and trying to be comfortable with the fact that I'm not going to know everything, I'm going to mess up. Yeah, I think I've noticed, and obviously I've only been an intern for nine months now, but I've noticed that it's almost like a bell curve kind of where in like the, or an inverse bell curve, like you in med school, I feel like you don't, you're so afraid to fail. And then at least for me, I'm fortunate where I'm in a residency program that actually, that really does encourage us to to see our failures as opportunities and recognize that mistakes are okay. And, you know, the same mistake over and over again is not okay, but that, you know, we, if, if we didn't, if we knew everything, our attendings would be out of a job. And just like you said, Molly, I think that, you know, we've created the safe environment. Whereas when you're a med student, it's almost like, well, I'm not, there yet. And my environment is constantly changing and I don't know the players and I'm trying to put my best foot forward in my, you know, so that I end up in residency, which is my ultimate goal. So I think it kind of is hard for both med students and even attendings because, right, as Blake was saying, I mean, once you're an attending, it's like all of a sudden everyone just assumes that 
you you hit this mark where you're going to know everything and you're never going to make mistakes, which also isn't fair or true. Well, it's like taking any sort of critiquing feedback, right? And I really agree with what Blake said in terms of you have to develop a system for how you're going to go about processing the situation, not if, but when it happens. Because you see all too frequently in medicine, somebody has a bad outcome, a bad case through perhaps no fault of their own, maybe through a fault of their own. Mistakes get made. We are human, right? Like Rodney said, it's the practice of medicine, not the science of medicine, you know, the art of medicine. But you watch people just get absolutely crippled because of that event. And if you are a student listening to the podcast, you know that you've seen that one time when yourself or one of your classmates just completely froze up because they didn't know an answer to the question. And then it just ruined their confidence, forever changed them. And that's not the point of any of these situations. You have to learn to build for yourself some sort of mental process of being able to take a situation, figure out what is the truth or the learning or the takeaway from that situation, apply that to your practice, but then give yourself the grace in order to be able to move on because you've recognized the fact that you are human and still learning and still make mistakes even 20 or 25 years out into practice. No situation is ever irrecoverable. Yes, there's always details that our braids add in that tell us that we were way worser than what we thought that we were. Figure out what the truth is and use that to grow from, but then figure out a way to move on from it too. You know, we were talking about the movie The Menu before this podcast. I'm going to really link up this, make everything relevant here. So I was just thinking what you said because there's this YouTube video. I watch the most random YouTube videos. It's like a practice moment. I get home from a shift. You can't go to sleep right away, right? Absolutely. So you go home. No, no, I, you can't no. concentrate enough. You can't read a book. No. So I watch the stupidest YouTube videos usually. Usually fail video, <laughs> fail videos, other things like that. And oh, I'll eat nice. like a bowl of Cheerios. That's not like my tradition. Bowl of Cheerios. And I go off at like 2 a.m. swing shift. And I'll watch YouTube videos. So everybody knows my private life now. Next so segment. Yeah. It, it's a deep dive. Yeah. So a lot of lore involved. So Anyway, but we were talking about The Menu, which was a good movie. It's not a blockbuster, but I thought it was pretty good. I watched it on the plane right over here. I don't have an HBO subscription, so I was pleased that it was available on the plane. Anyway, so watch that. And, and getting without getting the premise of the movie, we were talking about like Sigma Chefs, like, like top of the line. And I was, it brought me back to a YouTube video I watch. And I do watch, like, I think the other night we were talking about Hell's Kitchen and other cooking shows. And I love Gordon Ramsay, hilarious guy, great character. <clears throat> but there was this YouTube video displaying, it was a leadership video, weirdly enough. And it was talking about, Alpha Chef and Sigma Chef. And it was like, Gordon Ramsay is this like alpha chef. He's like, he yells, he's clearly in control, but like he, he, and he'll admit failures every now and then, but he, he'll usually take his anger out on people. He's an alpha guy, alpha dude in the room. And then they were talking about this other guy who trained Gordon Ramsay, who made Gordon Ramsay cry. And it was Marco Pierre Wright. And if you, Marco Pierre White, excuse me. And he's a famous chef, amazing guy. And it's funny to see his transition early in his career. You watch his videos. It was like 90s cooking shows. And I've watched clips from that too. And he was like training Gordon Ramsay and yelling at him all the time. And Gordon Ramsay literally cried in one episode. It was, it was the weirdest thing to see. Yes, exactly. You should go watch that. My face, yeah. you guys. My go face check it out on YouTube. Else. Anyway, and so now if you look at Marco Pierre White, he's on some Australian cooking shows, things like that now. And I, I will never forget one of the YouTube clips I watched is he's completely like, I don't want to say the word mellow, but he's matured and he's become this age Zen old. Zen master. Yes, yeah. Zen master. And in one of the episodes, he sits down. He's so accomplished, like more accomplished than Gordon Ramsay. And he sits down with this young chef in this cooking show and he says, I have made more mistakes than any other chef on the planet. And that's complete lie, of course. Like the man is an absolute artistic genius. 
But I always think about that when I'm thinking as an attending and development in my practice. Long, rambling story, excuse me, but I brought it back. So for me personally, I think about that all the time on shift is Marco Pierre White, weirdly enough, when he says, I've made more mistakes than anyone else. And he is probably one of the more accomplished chefs. And he says it in such a calm manner. And the way he developed his career from being angry, from and, and when you're angry and yelling, you're taking out your anger. You're not internally processing the mistakes and in, in situations you put yourself in. And he's turned into this stoic person that now he can provide feedback and helping young chefs, young people in the field generate their own sense of, what's the word? Sorry. Generate their, hopefully as we edit it out, my thinking, generate their own sense of coping mechanisms with these situations and how to grow. There we go. That's so my rambling tale. tale off that. So Please, I think to, take, tell so, me another chef story. So, I'm, so, but taking that, I think that's, I think one of the things I was just thinking about is like, I don't think we were ever taught how to A, receive feedback and B, how to like particularly learn from our failures in med school. Self-reflect. Yes, Self-reflect. For sure. Exactly. Thank you for, for the elegant words. I appreciate that. <laughs> no one helped you with my words a yeah. second ago. No, so I, just, I just tried to convince all of my medical students how lucky they are that they get yeah. taught how to do self-reflection yeah. literally last week. It was not something I, not I, something I think we ever were taught. I was yeah. taught. Yeah. And so, so I think to your point is, is that for medicine, I think it's seeking out those people in your life that are, that look for those leaders and those Zen chefs that you can, that will help give you that feedback in a proper way. Cause you can get feedback that if someone's going to yell at you and, and berate you, that's not going to be helpful for you, but also sometimes that's the best that they can do, but you're going to have to learn to filter some of that. And as you grow in your, your development, you'll learn to filter some of that, but also seek out those Zen chefs, like through your practice, whatever you decide to go into emergency medicine or whatever it is, but look for those people. There are good learning environments and that's where you can grow and mature. It's like fertilizer. You're going to grow up to be, you're going to learn to make those mistakes, but then to turn those into great pieces. So just like fertilizer, you got to go through some crap in order to grow. Ooh, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. So if you had one piece of advice for med students or one like take home point that you would recommend the next time that they get into kind of like Molly, you were talking about that, that mental freeze, you know, a lot of times we're asked questions and the immediate response is for our body to freeze up because, oh, I don't know the answer right off the top of my head, or I'm afraid of how I'm going to get judged for my answer, whether it's right, wrong, indifferent, you know, how would you advise someone to kind of work through that? So I've got two answers for you, the immediate and then the after the event. The immediate stress response is going to happen all throughout the entirety of your career, whether somebody's asking you a question, a coding patient arrives, you get a notice that you need to be called into your chair's office, what have you. And in the immediate, the way that you deal with that situation is what I recommend is some very simple sympathetic biofeedback stuff. The bottom line is, is that you're a smart individual, you know the answer, or you don't know the answer, and that's okay. But in that stress response, nobody's brain is working the way that it's supposed to work. So do some simple biofeedback, whether that's just really focusing on your feet and how they feel in your Crocs at day, you know, hour eight of day 16 in the hospital, or whether that's doing some really simple square breathing to kind of slow down your sympathetics and bring your brain back online. Do whatever you need to do, but take a second, okay? And then afterwards, maybe if things don't go quite according to plan, as you are self-reflecting at the end of the day, ask yourself, what is the truth of the situation? Did I, should I have known the answer? 
Maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe it was an esoteric question from an attending who just really wanted to look smart. If I should have known the answer, okay, maybe the truth is, is that I need to do a little bit more studying tonight. Or maybe the answer is, is that I should have spent a little bit more time talking to my patient. But whatever that truth is, find that one kernel of truth and use that to grow from it. One thing I would add to that is, you know, especially in emergency medicine, we, it's a team sport, but also we use our colleagues, like, like debrief that situation too. When you've got kind of, you've done that, you know, that feedback for yourself, you got a little clearer mind, find someone that you can talk to about and be like, Hey, here's what I did in this case. Here's what I was thinking. You know, where did I have someone else give you that feedback of like, you know, what could I've done different in this? And it may just, that second perspective may be just what you need to propel you to learn from that. So I would say that was the only other thing I would add to what Molly said is, is that, do a debrief after you've kind of settled into that and and with a calm head, someone that can give you good feedback on that and say, hey, you know, what did I do wrong in this situation? Maybe it was nothing, but maybe it is something that is fixable or something that you can learn from and go with it. Yeah, and I feel like the residents sometimes are the best for that. You know, they they were just where you are now. So I think that that's something, you know, don't forget about the residents that you're working with and they can be a a great resource. We still do it at this level for sure. Like, I mean, I'll text a colleague, ask a colleague, you know, my co-residents, I still keep in touch with like, I'm like, Hey, cause somebody's usually up. So if, even if it's the middle of the night, I can give them that feedback. That's a great part of our field, right? Yeah. I just going to say the beauty of our job. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. To make another basketball analogy, it feels like two podcasts in a row now making basketball analogies. And I'm, if anyone knows me, I'm like five, six. So I've, I've never even like successfully played basketball, but I love watching it. And, there, you know, I always think about these mistakes because, again, I said it earlier, but me personally, when I when I deal with things, I always struggle with saying, well, I'm not, I shouldn't be capable of making that type of mistake. And that's that level of perfectionism that we always think is in our jobs of being an attending, of saying, well, I'm above that mistake. And that's such a false level of thinking. And I always hearken back to Michael Jordan, greatest player ever, no debate. And he, no offense, LeBron, and he had this quote where he, it's famous and I don't have to quote the whole thing and I couldn't recite the whole thing, but it's this long quote where he says like in so many games he's played, people have given the ball and he hasn't made the final shot and he's missed it. And he says, I've missed the final shot so many times. People have trusted me this many times and I failed or I've practiced over 2000 free throw, throw shots like a week or even more than that probably. And I still miss free throws, something like that. And they're easy chip shots. And I've lost games because of that. I always think about that because undisputably, he's like the most revered basketball player around the world, probably the most recognizable athlete ever. And he still admits the fact that I have lost games, big games for my team. And that's crazy. And so I think that, again, patient care, medicine, so much bigger deal than a basketball game. But but to me, it always harkens back of this is guy on this perennial level of accomplishment and he still has the humility to recognize yeah i i really screwed up every now and then so i think if he can do that then easily in our job of and we're talking about errors that include uh, obviously quote-unquote failure or not succeeding of levels that are sometimes so simplistic and not answering a question correctly and so there really is no you have to put it in context of there's no reason to be upset with yourself for that so anyway that's personally how i try to deal with things too but i think every, everything that's been said so far is really good yeah. And, and like you said, there's levels, right? There's levels of failure. There's level or even not failure, but levels of different opportunities. And it's like low, you know, trying to Molly, like you were saying, self-reflect and, and really tell yourself the truth of, you know, what were the stakes here? Like is the stakes that I didn't answer a question correctly 
you know, just because you didn't answer the question correctly or didn't know the right answer doesn't mean you're not going to match into residency because you didn't answer that one question right, you know, and so just kind of putting all of that into perspective for yourself. But How dare you not know Eisenmenger syndrome? You'll never be an ER doctor. <laughs> you can't reset the Krebs cycle. <laughs> yeah. My dad taught me, and we can edit this out if you want. My dad told me growing up, he's a physician too, and he always had a like hard, school hard knocks dealing with things, but he always told me when I called him, beat myself about something in med school or something. And he always told me, he said, in life, he said, there's always going to be a line of people or situations that there's going to be a line of, of, of things that happen that are going to bring you down. He said, you don't want to be the first person in that line. And so you yourself need to be in control of those situations. So I thought that was always really hit me hard when you, you have all these things assailing you all the time, situations, people, events, and you, you don't want to be the person at the front of that counter telling yourself that you suck at stuff. So that always hit me. Yeah, don't get in your own way. Exactly. All the, oh, time. All sure. the time. Yeah. Don't get in your own way of success. Don't get in your own way of opportunity. Don't get in your own way of your own growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's that's really the takeaway, right? Is, you know, like we said, with fear of failure. I mean, where's that fear coming from? It's coming from yourself. So I think this is a great conversation in just the beginning. But But thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Really fun. Well, thanks for making it all the way to the end of that Med Student Over Easy episode. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or head on over to our blog, emovereasy.com. Also, don't forget, we are the official podcast for the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. You can learn more about this great organization by heading to acoep.org, where you can find about an upcoming CME event where you might get to see a few of your EM Over Easy hosts live and in person for a show. Until next time, thanks so much. Thank you.